Get your Bibles open, if you would, this morning to the book of Matthew. I want to go to a couple of verses real quick. Actually, let's go. We're going to go to Matthew in a second. Let's go to the book of Ephesians and start there. Got something in my spirit that I believe the Lord wants us to talk about this morning that I think will really help some people. How many know the word helps us? Amen. Amen. If you're struggling and in trouble in any situation in your life, the Bible's got the answer. And I want to look at Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to talk a little bit this morning, if you're taking notes, about recognizing and defeating the enemy. Recognizing and defeating the enemy. Now we can miss sometimes one or the other. Sometimes we can miss defeating the enemy. We can recognize him, but we don't know how to defeat him. Or sometimes we can be trying to defeat the enemy without recognizing the enemy. Okay? The right one. So I want to look at some verses and pray the Holy Spirit will help us. But in Ephesians 6, if you have read the Bible for very long or been saved for very long, you will, you will know this verse. It starts, let's start in 10. He says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of your own might. Okay, I'm just making sure you're all looking at the Bible. All right, see why it's important to look at the Bible? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of what? His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, I just read a few things there that would be good to underline. Okay, let's go back just a second. I want to take my time on this this morning. I want to give you some stuff that will really, really help you. Right there in that first verse of 10, underline his might. Okay, his might. Or if you have a highlighter or however you do it in your Bible, mark that and understand that that is where we fail right off the bat. Many, many times. We, are, we, may, we may understand, and I'll get to some other verses in a second, that we are in a battle. We are in a fight. We are going against a, a real enemy. And when you preach a message like this, it's not to give the enemy glory. It's not to give the enemy uh, any, any, any uh, uh, accolades, but he exists. And you can't, not, you can't ignore that. And a lot of times we're going through things in our lives and we don't recognize. I want to really focus on the word recognize this morning in this message. And I hope that you recognize that as I'm speaking. And so in the power of his might. Okay, so if you're in a battle this morning... And many of you are, and if you're not, you will be, amen? If you're in a battle this morning with something, you need to recognize that you cannot defeat that enemy on your own. That's where Christians fail all the time. Because how many times, and I'm guilty of this myself, many times, how many times are we in a battle and we begin to think how we can defeat the, the, the situation? We begin to see what we can do in our own strength to take care of the problem. And I don't know about you, sometimes I'm into the problem quite a bit before I go, oh, maybe I should talk to God about this. Anybody else like that here? I'll just make sure I'm talking to humans here. I fail on that all the time because I begin to, in my own strength and in my own might, to defeat the enemy. In my own might, begin to try to work out the situation. And God has to remind me, uh, I'm here. I'm pretty powerful. I can help you a whole lot if you'll just talk to me. Amen. And we, the quicker we get to the place, we understand I, it's not by my might. It's not by my power. 
But it's by his spirit, says the Lord, that we're going to see some victory in our lives. We're going to see some victory in the situation. So it's not in our power, but in his. He says to put on the whole armor. And he says so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil, meaning that he has strategies. That he knows how to work. You've got to remember, I've said this many, many times, the devil has been around a long time. He has a lot of experience in defeating people. He has a lot of experience in trapping people. So when it says the wiles of the devil, that means experience, that means strategies, that means ways that he can get at you. And sometimes you can almost picture, like if you've ever had somebody that kind of gets on your nerves, how many don't like being poked in the side? Right? That's pretty annoying. Most people don't. I'm not talking about tickle, but poked. And someone just keeps poking you in the side, it gets annoying. And a lot of times the devil, he he doesn't always just come and just swing a blow. He comes and tries to annoy us a little bit. Okay? And get under our skin. And that's where he starts. He's looking for little areas in our lives. The Bible says, and Solomon said it very well, that the small foxes defeat the vine. The little things. And so we have to learn how to recognize, there's that word again, recognize the enemy. Okay? And so he says here, we don't, so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Then he says something very important. The battle that you're fighting right now, right now, is not carnal. It is not physical. Do I have any ex-fighters in this place? Let me see if there's any ex, I'm not talking about a professional boxer, but you, you used to fight. Okay? All right? Anybody ever been in a fight? Let me give you some credit there. Ever been? Okay, maybe you didn't fight a lot, but you were in a fight. Okay, you learn how to fight by facing a situation and you just begin to swing. Right. You just the the best way you can fight is just swing. Right. Well, the devil doesn't do that. The devil doesn't just come and swing at you. He comes in areas and ways where he tries to sneak in. And the Bible says that he is a person who dresses like an angel of light. So he's not going to just show up with the horns. He's not just going to show up and say, here I am, in some old, low voice. He's not going to say it in some raspy voice. He's going to come and show up in a way where you're not recognizing, there it is again, that it's the devil. How many are with me so far? Recognize. Okay, recognize. We do not wrestle, let's keep reading, verse 12, against flesh and blood. Watch this. You're not fighting against your spouse. Against your family members. Against your church members. Against your brothers and sisters. Not flesh and blood. The battle is spiritual. But what the devil likes to do is come in and say, hey, through a spouse. Hey, through a family member. Hey, through a co-worker. And he, he likes to dress up in a way where he doesn't get blamed or the person doesn't recognize that the devil is working. Amen? Father, I pray for the next few minutes that your Holy Spirit would help us. Lord, we cannot hear your word and be changed by it or transformed by it or use it if we don't have the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask you this morning to open up the ears of our, our hearts and our minds spiritually. God, to not be carnal this morning, 
but to be able to listen to your voice through the Spirit and let these words of this Bible come alive this morning, God. Lord, I pray that as I speak your word, as I speak what you've placed in my heart and in my spirit, that it would be relayed in a correct way, God, that it would get from my heart to their hearts, from your throne to their ears this morning, God. Thank you for that. And we come against that enemy right now that tries to raise itself up against the knowledge of God. And we bind it in the name of Jesus right now. And everybody said... Amen. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The beer there is a good place to highlight. Okay? So how many get what I'm saying so far? I'm going to say this a little as I go along, but one of the things that I'm recognizing or realizing or sensing or seeing is that a lot of times as the devil is fighting against us, he is putting a face to that. And we are fighting many times a battle against a person Instead of against the devil. We, we seem to have to put flesh and blood to it. We seem like we have to put somebody there to blame. Now this is not a message where we blame everything on the devil. Okay? Because you can go wrong there. Let me give you some words of wisdom. The devil will take the credit. Every time. There's nothing that the devil is not going to say, hey, yeah, I did that. He'll take credit. But we give him credit many times for something he did not do. How many are following that? Okay, so that's important to understand. But at the other side, a lot of times the enemy is at work, and it's not our spouse. It's not our family members. It's not the church. It's not a coworker. It's not whoever you fill in the blank there. It is the enemy. And he's working. And so we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And even if it was, okay, let's give it the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it was my spouse. Let's say it was a coworker. Let's say it was a family member. Guess what? I'm not going to defeat that person in the flesh. It has to come back to the spirit. Okay? So we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but, watch this, verse 12, against principalities, against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Think about something this morning. If the Bible says we wrestle against hosts of wickedness, how many know that they have to have a place to be hosted? How many don't want to be the place that wickedness is hosted? Okay, so don't be a vessel. It's not this isn't talking about a a, a possession of the enemy of being demon possessed. This is about being oppressed of the enemy and allowing the enemy to use you as a vessel, as a host, as somebody he can work through. I want Jesus to use me this morning. I don't want the devil to use my life. Can you say amen? I want to be a vessel of Jesus. Not a vessel of the devil. But it's so easy. How many know it's not easy to be a vessel of Jesus? But oh, it is so easy to be a vessel and a host of the oppression of the spirit of the devil. It's easy. It's easy to be mean. It's easy to lash out. It's easy to attack. It's easy to talk. It's easy to do those things. It's not so easy to walk as Christ would walk. But see, that's the battle of the flesh. 
That's the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul is trying to get us to understand we're not wrestling this morning with each other. We're wrestling with an enemy. Amen. So he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Amen. Now, some of you might have thought I was going to get into reading the armor, but I'm not. You can read it later. Okay? So I show you this morning, right off the bat, if you didn't get, catch the beginning, recognizing and defeating your enemy this morning. Okay? Your enemy is the devil. Okay? Not anybody else. Your enemy is the devil. Now go over to Matthew real quick with me. Get your Bibles ready. Get your fingers ready. I'm going to show you some verses this morning. So the, the key thing here is we recognize that we have an enemy. And we recognize that the enemy is looking for hosts. He's looking for who he can use. Everything in the spiritual realm is two-sided. Everything. So you have good and you have evil. You have right and you have wrong. You have light and you have darkness. You have God and you have the devil. Everything has two sides, okay? And so in this battle, you have flesh and you have spirit. And the, the battle it never ends and will not end until we're taken home. Until you either die and breathe your last breath and pass into eternity, or until the rapture happens and we go up to heaven, we are not going to stop being in this battle between flesh and blood. Spirit and flesh. Spirit and flesh. Right and wrong. Right and wrong. God and evil. Amen? It's going to be there. It always has been, and it always will be. So the quicker you recognize you're in a battle, the quicker you're going to be able to advance and defeat the enemy and not allow the enemy to use you. I can't, keep, I can't keep saying that enough. Because I sense that sometimes in our walk, we don't recognize, and you might get sick of that word as well, we don't recognize that the enemy is using us. I'm not talking about cursing God. I'm not talking about doing some terrorist attack. I'm not talking about some huge, blatant, horrible thing. I'm talking about allowing the devil to use me as a host to affect or hurt people around me. Okay? Other people. Or not understand that as I'm walking in my walk... God is trying to use me to bless people, to help people, and the host is trying to get me to hurt. And many, many times, and write this down in your notes, many, many times, the devil will try to use a host the very closest to us. That's why I mentioned spouses. That's why I mentioned family. That's why I mentioned friends. Obviously, cousins and aunts and uncles and co-workers, that gets a little further away. But the devil's going to try his best to advance on your life using hosts around you. And if they don't recognize the enemy, they'll be used. Okay? It's bad enough if we hurt somebody that we really don't care about. That's bad enough. But it's really bad if I hurt someone that I love. Or that I should love. Okay? So, recognizing and defeating the enemy. Spiritual battle here. Now, look what Matthew 28 says. So, we know we have a battle. Now, we need to know how to defeat it. Some of these things might seem elementary and some might seem repetitive and you've heard them. But the question is, why don't we use them more? Okay, why don't we walk in it more? Jesus said these words in the Great Commission to the 11 disciples as he was going up to heaven. He said, and they say, saying to him, all authority has been given to me 
in heaven and on earth. Now, how many believe that this morning, that Jesus has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth? Amen? Every last bit of power is God's. And that power is not ours without God's. So he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you. And I am with you always, even unto the ends of the age. So he says, all authority has been given to me. And we know that in the Great Commission, the authority that he had, he gave to us. Powerful. That's enough to make us excited. Amen. Go over quickly to Mark chapter 16. And look what he says in this one. We, we have power this morning to defeat the enemy. Now, I think sometimes we're, we're better, probably, watch this, at defeating the enemy than we are recognizing the enemy. You say, well, how do you defeat the enemy? Because there are enemies and there are situations that are very easy to see. I'm talking this morning, and I hope the Holy Spirit helps us. I want to be uh, showing you this morning how the devil will use smaller things, less recognizable things, less obvious things to work through us and defeat us. Okay, so we, we can defeat that. We can say, oh, I'm sick. I'm sick. And so usually you don't blame, you know, your spouse or a friend or family that you're sick. Unless they had the cold first. Usually you don't blame them for that. But if, if you're sick and tells you, you recognize, okay, this is sickness. I, I come against you, sickness in the name of Jesus. You begin to pray against it. So there's other obvious things that are, that, are, that, are, that are common and you can defeat that. But a lot of times there's enemies fighting against us and situations happening that we don't recognize that it's the devil. Okay? So Mark, Mark 16 says, going to all the world, same thing. Another, another person writing about the Great Commission. And preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And he says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name. Amen. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. So here's some verses to help us understand that God has given us power and authority to defeat the enemy this morning. Amen? How many believe that this morning? Whatever we need to beat the enemy, we have. It's in us. Okay? Jesus is in us. That power is in us. But a lot of times, again, it's almost like we're walking around with weapons that we don't know how to use or we're misusing them. Okay? So let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to show you some, some verses here, again, that are very important. And I want to say this again, this is just so it's be, I'm trying to be clear on what the Spirit has been showing me for this morning. That recognizing the enemy is important. And again, we many times, I'm going to stress this again, just because I like to teach elementary in case we haven't grasped yet where I'm trying to go. We many times see the enemy in our spouse or in our co-workers or in a family member and we, we think it's them that's causing our life to be miserable and causing problems and it's not them, it's the devil. Amen. 
How many catch that? It's not them. And you don't go, well, why is my spouse being used as a host? Why are they letting that happen? See, that's you're already off right there if you're, if you're asking that question. This isn't about your spouse. This is about you. This isn't about your other family members. This is about you. This isn't about other people. This is about me. This is how I recognize the enemy. And I make sure that I'm fighting a spiritual battle that is against spiritual things and not flesh and blood. Okay? Spiritual things and not flesh and blood. Because one of the worst things we do as people is we hurt the people closest to us. That love us the most and that we should love back the most. We seem to be in a situation of problems and what we do is we just begin to lash out and we just begin to swing in the flesh and we just begin to hurt everybody around us and those around us are the ones who love us the most. Because we don't recognize the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Say amen if you're there. But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow, For if I make you sorrowful, then who is he who makes me glad but the one who is made sorrowful by me? And I write this very thing to you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow from those whom I ought to have joy. Let me read that again. Lest when I came, I should have sorrow over those whom I ought to have joy. Having confidence in you that all my joy is in the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love of which I have so abundantly for you. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be severe. This punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. For to this end, I also wrote that I might put you to the test, whether you are obedient in all things. Watch this. Now whom you forgive, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I've forgiven anything, I've forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Watch 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. Why? For we are not ignorant of his devices. This is talking about hurting one another. This is talking about grieving our family, grieving the church, grieving your workplace, grieving people around you. How many understand this morning that we affect those around us? Amen. You walk into your workplace in the morning and you walk in and you say good morning to everybody and you smile and, and you, you, you uh, are, are trying to be happy and that's going to be contagious. And other people are going to maybe smile back at you and say good morning back at you. But if you walk in and you're grumbling and you're mad and you're gritting your teeth, and then that's going to contagiously walk into your office and your workplace as well. Same with the family. Same with, now, I understand people wake up not happy. I understand people don't, aren't morning people. Amen. I don't like to wake up early, but when I wake up, whether, whatever hour it is, I'm usually pretty happy. 
I know some people aren't. And that's fine. So some people need a little time, a little space. Amen. My wife needs a little space in the morning. And then she comes around. Amen. She'll, she knows that. She'll admit that. Everybody's got different things. But I'm talking about the spirit that is around you can contagiously infect somebody else. Okay. And so we can be going through something in our life that's personal, that we're battling. And if we're not careful, we can begin to fight that battle in the flesh. And we can begin to lash out and hurt people around us that love us. It's like, it's like, for example, you go home and you, you, got, a, you got a dog or a puppy and, and, and the dog waits for you and he's, he doesn't know anything about your problems you had at work. Nothing at all. And you walk in and that dog is just licking, you know, wagging his tail and, and, and panting and he just wants you to pet him and you just slap him on the nose because you had a bad day. And that dog has no clue what he did wrong. Man, what did, he, what did I do wrong? All I wanted was a little, little pet. Or you got a little kid. Doesn't matter if it's two or five or seven or eight. You come home and they run to the door. Daddy, mommy. And you just walk right past them. Because you had a bad day at work. That's contagious. You are affecting somebody else around you because of something that's going on in you. And you are putting the enemy in somebody else that's not the enemy. Amen. Recognize the enemy. So he says, I want you to focus more than anything on there, on verse 11, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. So, so first of all, Satan can and wants to take advantage of us. Can and wants to. Okay? He can and he wants to. When I say can, meaning if we let him. Okay? And he wants to. Let me read a verse for that. 1 Peter 5, 8. He wants to. He says, be sober and be vigilant. Now, being sober and being vigilant isn't 23 hours of the day or five days a week. Because the devil will let you be sober and vigilant for five days of the week and 23 hours of the day. He's going to wait for that one hour or those two days to attack you. Y'all with me? Being sober and vigilant is a 24-hour, seven days, 365 a year work. Spirit against the flesh. He says, because your adversary, your spouse, right? No? Because your adversary, your coworker, because your, ad- I got several versions here. Because your adversary, your son or daughter, because your adversary, their person sitting next to you at church, who is it? The devil. Okay? And listen, I'm not, this isn't a condemning message. Trust me, this is a helping message. To recognize who's really hurting us and who's really not. To recognize who we're hurting and who we shouldn't be, should be hurting. Okay? To recognize that the devil is not busy watching games or TV or going to the lake or going to the movies or working on his yard. Or anything else. He's definitely not busy coming to church to hear the word of God. He's busy looking, this verse says, for whom he can hang out with. I must have a weird version this morning. For looking who he can come in and chill on the couch with. For looking who he can drink coffee with. 
No, whom he may devour. Not even hurt. Devour. Destroy. Annihilate. Wipe off the face of the earth. He is not playing games. He hates your family. He hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your church. He hates everything about you. He's nothing but hate. There's no good in him. There's no love in him. And I'm not going to allow that stinking devil to use me as a host to hurt somebody else. No way. If you hate the devil, then recognize the enemy and don't let the devil use you to hurt somebody else. Because he cannot hurt you or somebody else without a host. If he gets past the mind, see there's a, I'm probably going to lead into this. I've been praying lately about going into the series of the battle of the mind again. But if he gets past the mind, then he can do damage. If you beat the enemy in the mind, you don't hurt anybody else. You must defeat it in the mind. But he's looking for host. And if we don't defeat him in the mind, then he begins to use us. And again, we don't do it on purpose. It's not like we're walking away, we wake up in the morning and say, oh, use me, devil. Right? We don't do that. And a lot of times we don't recognize that we're being used. That's why I'm preaching this message. So we can recognize. Because we get busy in life and things begin to happen. And we begin to do things and we don't recognize that, again, I'm hurting the people around me who love me. Okay, So he says, let me read the whole thing right now. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he also says in the Bible that he does not come to do anything but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Okay? Let me know it's important to recognize the enemy. You can't defeat the enemy if you don't recognize the enemy. But again, for the hopefully 34th time so far, it's not your spouse. It's not your family member. It's not a church member. It's not your kids. It's not your coworker. It's the devil. Well, you, but, but, well, it, it's the devil. And if you keep trying to defeat the spouse, the worker, the co-worker, the family, the da, 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 then you're just going to keep going around in circles and you're just going to keep on hurting people and you're never going to defeat the enemy and the enemy is going to just laugh. He's going, yep, got him. He loves it. He loves it. He loves to hurt people. Amen? But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Okay? Let's look at this again. But against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now write this in your notes. Satan has no rightful authority over me. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you believe that He died on the cross for your sins, if you believe that he rose from the dead, Satan has no rightful authority over your life. Zero. We've been talking the last couple weeks about the atonement. About what Jesus did on the cross to substitute our death so that we would not have to die. How he stood in our place as a perfect sacrifice. 
How he stood there as the perfect uh, example of suffering for somebody else, dying for somebody else. And he was the perfect priest because he had not sinned. He had not messed up. He had not made a mistake. He was the exact opposite of the devil. I, was, I told you there's opposites. Exact opposite of the devil. They're, 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 they're as far as the east is from the west. They're north and south pole. They, the devil can't even get in the same universe as God and Jesus. He is our atonement. He is our sacrifice. And he has defeated the devil. Amen? Not once, twice, three or four times, every time. Not for a thousand years, for eternity. He went down and he took the keys from Satan. And he said, give me those keys over death, hell, and the grave because I have conquered. I have ri- I'm going to rise from the dead. I died for my people. Give me those keys. And he took them from them. And the only way Satan can have any authority over you is when you give the keys back to him. And you say, here, go ahead and use me. I'll be your puppet. Amen. But if you don't do that, the Bible says that he's given us in Luke 10, 19, the power to trample on serpents and scorpions. And the devil is under our feet. Can you say amen? So keep him under your feet. Don't let him get out. Don't let him get up. Keep him where he belongs. Come on. Keep him where he belongs. Don't let him out. Don't let him creep around. Let's go quickly to 1 John chapter 3. How many are letting the Holy Spirit speak to you? 1 John chapter 3. Don't worry, he's already spoke to me. I get it first. 1 John chapter 3. How many want me to preach to you what the Lord tells me to preach? Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3. Say amen when you're there. You guys got quiet pages. Quick too. Little children. You're right, we're in 1 Peter. Little children, verse 7. Let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. From the beginning. How long ago was that? About 6,000 years? Okay, give or take a few. If you want to call it billions like the, you know, the whatever they, it don't matter. We believe it's 6,000 years. It don't matter. It's been a long time. Okay? Devil's been around since before this earth was made. Since before man was made. He's been sinning for a long time. He fell from heaven before this ever happened. He wasn't happy with the second place in God. He needed to be first. So he's been sinning since the beginning. Watch this. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. That he might destroy the works of the devil. So the Bible says that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So you have to ask yourself, who am I allowing in my life to win the battle? Is the devil winning or is Jesus winning? Am I allowing the devil to win and lead my life or am I allowing Jesus to dictate my life? Jesus, every time. Amen? 
Go to Colossians 2 real quick. Colossians chapter 2. I'll show you just a few more verses. Colossians 2. Say amen when you're there. Well, actually, let's go back. Yeah, it's Colossians 2. Let me find what verse I want to read. <clears throat> I want to go back a few verses more than I had in my notes because I want, to, I want to read to you to see a little bit more again of what the atonement did for us. I've talked the last few weeks about healing and redemption and reconciliation and we didn't really get into this part yet of defeating the enemy. That the atonement of Jesus Christ defeated the enemy. Okay? So ask yourself this question. If I'm walking in defeat this morning, whose fault is that? That's not a condemning question. It's just a question. If Jesus has already defeated my situation, then why am I allowing the devil to help me walk in defeat? Amen. Now, I'm not talking about a sickness you might feel in your body because it's there. I've been there. I've been where I fought the sickness in my body, an ailing sickness, and felt in my physical body that I was not well. But in my spirit, believed that I was healed. Okay, that there's a different difference there. Then the healing comes. I said this last week. Don't go to hell over a mystery. Don't try to ask the questions. Why does someone get healed? And why does somebody not? Don't start doing that. Don't question whether or not God has the power to heal. Because he does and he wants to. You can always be sure if you're not walking in the, in the victory of the Lord. It's not because of God's power that's lacking. It's not because Jesus did not defeat it on the cross. It's something I need to look in the mirror and find out if I'm allowing the devil to get me off. the. I might be fat fighting that battle on the wrong battlefield. I might be trying to defeat the enemy over here when the enemy's defeating my house over here. Can you say amen? What do we need? We need the Holy Spirit to tell us, hey, you're on the wrong battlefield. Why in the world are you over here fighting with your spouse when the enemy's over there beating on your children? Why are you over here fighting with this co-worker when the enemy's at home beating on your spouse? Come on. You can be on the wrong battlefield fighting the wrong battle. It is not a lack of God's power. It is a lack of being in the right place. It's a lack of being lined up with the word of God. It's a lack of understanding that I can walk in the atoning power of Jesus Christ because he already defeated the enemy. Colossians 2.15. Sorry, 11. In him. You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, the atonement, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. <clears throat> and you, verse 13, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Watch this. Having what? Oh, this is good. Having wiped out, I like that word, not just defeated, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. Remember we talked about that the other day? Thank God we don't have to go kill a fatted calf to be forgiven. Thank God we don't have to trust a man to go in. You, you know what? You can love me all day as your pastor, and I hope you do. I hope you love me. Amen? But aren't you thankful that I don't have to, you don't have to trust me to go in and stand for your sins for the year? 
Amen. How many are glad that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came down to stand for us? We don't have to put our faith in a man. We don't have to put our faith in a person. Our faith is in the perfection of Jesus Christ this morning. And it says this was contrary to us. And he says he has, verse 14, taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross. And what happened when he did that? He has disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. Amen. It was nailed to the cross. He took it for us. He paid the price. He, we owed a debt we could never pay. He paid a debt he didn't owe. He gave us atonement. He gave us victory. He gave us new life. And he disarmed every principality of the enemy. Let me close with this this morning. There's power We need to get to a place when we're fighting a battle that we recognize the enemy. Instead of tearing each other down or hurting each other or fighting against each other, again, family, spouse, church, anywhere, instead of doing that, we need to get that person and we need to say, listen, there's an enemy fighting us right now. Let's grab hands and let's pray. Let's agree together. Let's agree together that this is under our feet and that the enemy is defeated. Matthew 18, 20 says, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst. Get some people around you. Instead of pushing away the ones that love you, say, pray for me, please. Pray for me, please. Amen. Pray for me. I need prayer. And instead of you listening to that prayer request and going, oh, well, I wonder what's wrong. Oh, oh let me see how I can fix this. Oh, oh let, me see what, let, me, let, me, let me help you. In my might, I want you to say, I'll pray. I'll pray with you. Well, what are you going through exactly? Well, you really don't need to know. Can you just pray? <clears throat> can you just pray for me? How many know people would be more prone to ask if they didn't have to tell everything? Have somebody just say, you know what? I'll pray with you. I'll agree with you. I don't need to know what it is because God knows what it is. Okay? It goes back to that joke of the big prayer meeting where, you know, you're calling people over to pray. You guys have heard that example before. And the the group's gathering and, hey, so-and-so. Hey, Cindy, come over here. We're praying for so-and-so because we just found out she's pregnant. And, you know, you're blasting out the whole thing to the whole group. Now everybody knows. Or, hey, let's come over to the group. We're praying for so-and-so because they're filing bankruptcy. And we need to make sure that the Lord really. So we're blasting everybody, everybody's needs out. I want you to say, hey, come over. We'll pray for so-and-so. They're going through something. And the good news is God knows what it is. And the good news is Jesus already defeated on the cross. And the good news is my help comes from the Lord. I just encourage and lift up and say, I'm believing with you right now. If we just agree together, I know that de- the devil's defeated. Amen? This is, this is the finish. Well, I've got a couple more verses. Don't give the devil place. Okay? Don't give the devil place. Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give him a place. Don't give him a place to sit. Don't give him a place to get comfortable. Don't let him come in and hang out with you. James 4.7 says, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. 
I think a lot of times we do a better job of hosting the devil than resisting the devil. Again, not on purpose. I don't think any of us are on purpose saying, yeah, devil, come hang out. But because we're not recognizing the enemy, we're hosting him. Wouldn't that be horrible if you could see through spiritual eyes and see the times that you were just hanging out with the devil? And the devil was just using you to poke and you didn't realize it? I know that there's not one human being alive, especially a believer, that wants to be used by the devil. But he uses us all the time. All the time. So we can resist him and he will flee from us. I'm not going to give in to that temptation. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm, I'm going to fight it right here. Now, here's, here's one little key thing for you. Especially, I know I've mentioned spouses a lot this morning. There's no greater enemy for the devil than a marriage. Because if he defeats the marriage, he defeats the family. If he defeats the family, he defeats the church. So this isn't a marriage message, but there's a whole lot of importance on understanding that spouses must stand together. And I can tell you many times over my marriage, I have not recognized the enemy and I have taken things out of my wife that were not my wife's fault. Good place to say amen. All right. Same hers many times. It goes back and forth. And we need to recognize that that is the person who is standing by my side, who, who sleeps in the same bed, who has the same dreams for me and the same visions, and we have the same likes and interests, and it's not always going to be perfect, but that is my spouse. And I'm going to stand up for her, and I'm not going to let the devil use me to hurt her, or let the devil use her to hurt me, or vice versa, or all around. I'm going to recognize the enemy. I'm going to resist it and I'm going to let it go. Because here's the key. Here's the key. This, if you don't get anything else out of this whole message, get this. Write this down. Ephesians 4. Don't look at it for time. 26 and 27. I'm going to read it. It's very short. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. This goes for marriages especially, but it goes for everybody. He says in this verse, be angry. Oh, you like that? Yes, I just said, be angry. You giving me permission to be angry? Yeah, you can get angry. If you're not angry, you're not human. Jesus got angry. He walked into the temple and flipped tables and threw them around. He got angry. But he says, be angry, but do not sin. Okay? So what that means is, anger comes upon you. And that's what you should do. You should go into your bedroom, go into the bathroom, go into the closet and go. Get a punching bag. Instead of using the people around you as a punching bag. Oh, that was a good one. Get a punching bag. There's nothing wrong with punching a punching bag. You won't punch back. Okay? Be angry and do not sin. Watch this. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place to the devil. That means that you've got to be in Christ strong enough in God that when something happens to you, you may be angry for a moment, but you're not going to wake up angry the next morning about the same thing and the next morning after that and the next morning after that and the next morning after that and and hold a grudge your entire life against somebody that somebody did to you. I can tell you right now, I got the mic. If I'd have done that, I'd have quit the ministry 21 years, 11 months and however many days ago the day after I started I'd have quit you have to learn to get angry go like this let it go shake it off go to bed 
Wake up with the joy of the Lord. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Can you say amen? amen? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Make sure me and my wife have a thing over our bed. Always kiss me goodnight. We make ourselves kiss each other before we go to sleep, even if we're not happy. It's a rule. Because we're not going to go to sleep. I, I believe this verse. Do not let the sun go down. Don't let the night end on your wrath. Nor give place to the devil. Amen? Praise God. The ruler of this world, Jesus said, is coming. And he has nothing in me. Okay? Meaning he's, he's trying to get a place in this earth. He has been. And the only way he can get it is if we give it to him. As the musicians come this morning, remember this powerful verse that you've heard quoted many times. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So we cannot allow the devil to come in and get a footplace. 